Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, on to the show. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. So my guest today says, I live with lots of spaces in my day and I have never been happier. And joining me on today's show is Emma Gray. Emma, she is a leadership coach. She's an author, a speaker, a meditation teacher and clinical psychologist. And her international best-selling book, Inspired Living, is co-authored with Dr. Larry Farewell. And he is a Harvard-trained neuroscientist featured in Time Magazine's Top 100 Innovators of the Century. Now, Emma, she helps soul-driven businesswomen boost their impact and their income and find more balance and ease. And she loves helping women reduce their stress, uh, restore their balance, and create time and energy for the things they really want to do. And she and her team specialize in mindfulness-based leadership coaching programs and wellness retreats for women to make transformational change in their business and their personal lives. Now on today's show, Emma is going to share how we can discover that meditation can be our business superpower. We'll also discover uh, how radical self-care, it is essential, an essential foundation for building a business that you love and having more time and energy for the things that you love to do, as well as to discover how we can follow our soul-driven purpose and that will make us far more invincible. So welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. I'm really excited to be here. Great to see you. Oh, yes, absolutely. As I said before we went live, we've already had a lot of conversation and discussion and comments on this topic, something that uh, I, I we can really see is resonating with people. And now uh, so much more, I think, after the last three years of what many of us have gone through and so forth. And so glad to have you feature your expertise on the show. Before we dive into the topics, uh, the quote that we started with is something that you say, I love or I live with lots of spaces in my day and you've never been happier. Share a little bit more about that, Emma. So at one point in my journey, Anne-Marie, I burnt out. (laughs) I was working too hard. I was a self-sacrificing people pleaser. I was doing everything for everyone else, trying to balance family and working and all of the other hats that we wear as women. And it just became too much for me. And I got really depleted and really run down and really unwell. My whole life fell apart. (laughs) Um, But since then, well, I guess, you know, while that was an awful thing, also it was one of the greatest gifts that I've experienced because it really gave me great clarity on the things that are really helpful for me and replenishing for me, but also the things that deplete me. And so I figured out that rather than putting all my time and energy into things that just make me feel worse and worse and worse and worse, really that it's important for me to only say yes to the things that are in my highest best interest and that are going to energise me because I know that then I'm going to have much more energy 
and time um, and attention for the people around me, for the things around me that are really important. So I've learned that taking spaces in my day, giving myself time out to replenish, then I come back um, with much more energy, much more presence, much more focus, and I'm much more effective in what I do. So, Amazing. yeah, it, yeah. it may be something that we could all learn from for sure. And if you think back to when you started to recognise how important this was, or I would imagine it was you got to a stage where you thought, look, something has to change because if I continue, that that's saying if I continue to do the same things, it's not serving me and it's certainly not serving uh, those around me. When you recognised that and started to make those changes, how long was that journey? I mean, the journey never finishes, does it? But I just wonder if you'd share that because sometimes we often can give up quite easily when we're starting mm. to make those changes, mm. the important ones that we want to stick with. Yeah, it's a really good question, Anne-Marie. It was quite a few years ago now when my babies were little and I was up all through the night and sleep deprived. So while that's a beautiful question, I actually can't remember the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sleep deprived at the time, but it didn't happen overnight. So not to set expectations for the listeners that you meditate, you know, for a week and then suddenly your life turns around. Um, It's a slow, gradual progression. Um, But having said that, we can start to feel the changes, even small changes, um, once we start. So Sorry, that wasn't a very satisfactory answer, was it, Anne-Marie? No, it was actually. There's there's so many rich um, rich lessons that we can learn in that because, you know, so often, I don't know about you, maybe it is, you know, many of us who are driven and, and we like, you know, to see results and so forth, we can often be our own worst enemies because of the impatience. You know, the drive can often lead to impatience. And yep. we try and change so many different things because, as you mentioned, there were a lot of things that you eventually needed to change. It's not being able to or not taking on so much, being able to say no. I mean, that in and of itself, I think, for many of us can be a huge lesson because it can free up time. We're not consistently always saying yes and feeling guilty then because that's what we often will do too when we're trying to make some changes is that while we may say no, uh, whilst that frees up our time, we end up carrying, you know, a a weight on our shoulder of guilt and, and so forth. So even the smallest of changes can make a huge difference. We can untap that a little bit more in the second point about radical self-care being really essential. But let's Mm. talk about uh, meditation. What were some of the things that you started to do uh, Mm. and seeing that this now plays a very important role in your life and obviously in your business? Yeah. So I started meditating just five minutes or so each day. It wasn't a long time because, you know, I had young children and I was busy and didn't have a lot of time. Um, But I really started to notice actually a, a difference when I did it. And I can remember the first time that I went into a deep meditation and I, my body relaxed actually deeply, probably for the first time ever. It was like my whole body went, ah. And I realised in that moment, because I'd always been quite an anxious person, that probably I'd been anxious in a state of some kind of anxiety for for most of my life. And it wasn't until that moment that my body let go. And so it was a really beautiful and profound moment for me. Uh, So I think from that moment, I became addicted. Mm. (laughs) And I do try and meditate every day if I can. 
ideally for 15 minutes, sometimes half an hour. But even if it's only for a minute or two, I do try and do something because I really notice on the days when I haven't meditated how, you know, the stress starts to creep in, the wobbles start to creep in, the lack of balance starts to creep in and I feel a little bit more frazzled in my day um, versus the days that I meditate. I do notice that I feel much calmer. Yeah. Um, so yeah I just started with five or ten minutes of just finding some of my favorite guided meditations which were some gentle music a voice directing me to focus on my breath um, so it was quite simple I didn't do anything fancy um, back then uh, so yeah and bit by bit it did start to transform how I felt yeah, and, and I think that it's the the habit that you're starting to, to create in that slowing down, isn't it? In being still and not kind of with, with many thoughts go through our mind, you know, on a daily basis and it's really trying to get to that stage where you're not consistently bombarding on the go, on the go all, all the time. And did you find or do you find that, you know, there's different things? Like some people say, I love to go walking in nature because when I'm in nature, I see settle down I'm able to breathe for others it's music others it might be doing some gentle stretching as you do you find that the 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 meditation if you will differs for different people and and what really resonates with them Yes, absolutely. There is not one size fits all. There's not one solution. I've probably worked with hundreds, maybe even thousands of clients over the years now, and I see that they each have different preferences and and different capacities for different practices. Some people will meditate and love meditation. Other people aren't interested or don't want to do it. So exactly as you've said, there are other things that we can do. We can spend time in nature to slow down. We can spend time with our pets. We can listen to our favourite music. We can put on some essential oils. We can do some yoga or some stretching. There are lots and lots of different ways to start to slow down, to start to find those moments of stillness in our day. Yes. I remember working with a coach years ago now, and one of the things that she shared with me was the breathing. And it wasn't until she shared with me the exercise that I realised that, I mean, breathing is a very good thing. And and actually, it's a vital thing in part of life, but many of us don't breathe properly, do we? Um, We need to take those deep breaths. And as, as, as we know, oxygen feeds our brain. And if we're only taking short breaths, we may not be giving our body the oxygen and other things that it needs. Can you talk a little bit about how the breath is so important? Because you mentioned not only just kind of sitting still and listening to music, but actually breathing as well. Has that become a very important part of the process that you do? Yes, for sure. And I I utilise lots of different breathing techniques with my clients because, again, different people like different things. And exactly as you've said, Anne-Marie, sometimes or often um, when we're in a state of stress or anxiety or overwhelm, when the sympathetic nervous system is activated, we breathe in a very shallow way. We might breathe um, very quickly. We're not doing those deep breaths into the belly, which is when we're doing those deep breaths, that's when we're activating what's called our our body's parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest system, our relaxation system, when the whole body's gone, ah. So, yeah, even just taking a handful of deep breaths into the belly can be really helpful, a really quick, quick, simple way to turn off the stress system and to turn on that relaxation system, which starts to then rewire the brain, rewire the body, um, can have quite profound changes. 
Yeah. I can't remember the name of the neuroscientist. Um, if I remember, I'll, I'll share. But I was listening to her share on a podcast about how because we're so much on the go, particularly the youth, and even now many of us as, as adults, we carry our you know, digital devices around with us, so our mind is always on the go. And she was saying that the body and, you know, kind of the mind, if you look at neuroscience, it needs time to settle for the information in our brains, if you will, I'm paraphrasing, to settle and go into the different folders that our, you know, that we have and, and so forth. And if we don't give our bodies and our minds time to do that, we can constantly be on the go all of the, the time. And she was saying, look, even you know 10 20 minutes a day if we can do that it really helps when it comes to the breathing and what you're doing I and mean, obviously say anything that you start off with first is going to be helpful then kind of build on onto that but are there studies that show that if we can do that regularly for a certain time frame that this is definitely going to give back the restoration and so forth that we need is there kind of a a, a guide to timing so there is an, a ton, there's a mountain of research, Anne-Marie, to back up what you've just talked about, that we, in our modern society, uh, live in our heads. We're very disconnected from our bodies because we spend so much time on screens. And we, so we're thinking, 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 um, which doesn't give us time, actually, especially if those thoughts are stressful, which they often are, it doesn't give us time to turn off that stress system and turn on the relaxation system, um, which in that state, in that relaxation state, that's the state that that is um, optimal for us to be in, for the body to boost the immune system and repair cells and do all those regenerative processes that um, it's harder for the body to do when the stress system is activated. So even just a few minutes a day, ideally 15 to 20 minutes would be fantastic, but even just one minute a day, a minute here, a minute there, will help because it's turning off that stress system and turning on the relaxation system, um, which really helps the body start to find its balance. The body is self-healing, self-balancing, self-soothing if we give it the space to do that. And it doesn't have to be that, that 15 minutes doesn't have to be 15 minutes in meditation. It could be, as we said before, 15 minutes in nature you know, focusing on what we can see and hear and the sound of the birds and the smells of the flowers, anything like that is slowing down our thinking mind and it's turning on that relaxation system in the body. There's been fascinating research in the area of nature and seeing nature and spending time in nature. It's called biophilia. And the research shows that over a week, if we spend two hours in nature, it might be 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, that that will have a significant impact on our mental, emotional and physical well-being. Even if we're just looking at a pot plant or looking at a tree out a window, we don't have to be in the park, um, that just that exposure to nature really soothes our nervous system. So any of those kind of practices are really beneficial. Yes. What I've noticed uh, over the last couple of months, I've started to, and who knew that I could do this even, start growing a bit of a garden. So I've got a bit of a hot house. 
there is nothing more relaxing that I find that I go out just with a colander cutting leaves for, you know, some lettuce or even seeing seedlings grow. And even if it's just five minutes out there, not even five minutes, if it's a little bit longer, it's a little bit longer. But I have found that it is so enjoyable. And that's what you're saying, isn't it? It, it completely... The mind just goes into what's going, what's growing, what do I need to to move around, it, and it's finding something that you enjoy. And then, as it continues to, um, when I say consume, but the good way that it really is something that you're doing, which just everything else just settles. You know, that's what I find. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's being present. That's being present in the here and now. And as we're focusing on what we can see, what we can smell, what we can feel with our sense of touch, we are dropping into the present moment and there's less space for the thinking mind to get really, really busy. You know, we all talk about multitasking and especially how women are good at multitasking, but actually multitasking is stressful for the human mind. Um, And it can really only focus on one thing at a time. And so if we give our mind something to focus on in the present moment, like feeling our fingers in the earth or looking at the green of the, the leaves or whatever it might be, as the mind is focusing on that, there is less space for the thoughts to come in, for the worrying thoughts to come in, for the stressful thoughts to come in. And so we're naturally engaging that relaxation system, which is really good for our nervous system. It's really good for our whole mental, emotional, physical well-being. Yeah, so, so true. No, yeah, sorry. It is, it is. And equally important too, I would imagine, Emma, is to start to recognise when we're thinking about self-care, what environments am I putting myself in that Mm. is inhibiting that or what am I continuing to listen to? Is it, you know, restoring, replenishing and good or is it not necessarily good? We need to be very discerning about that, don't we? Constantly. Have you found that environment and the environments we put ourselves in can inhibit and impact the self-care aspect? Yes, 100%. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned back when I, you know, went through that experience of burnout. I, because my energy was so low and my well-being was so fragile, I really came to know the things, the situations, the people, the environments, the noises, the activities, the relationships that felt like self-care, that felt nurturing and calming, and the ones that felt depleting or stressful or whatever it might be. So, and I'm a highly sensitive person. I don't know if you've heard the term HSP, Anne-Marie. I'm definitely one of those. So I absorb the energy of the environment. I really tune into the emotions and the energy of the people and the places around me. So I've learnt to be much more discerning and aware of everything that I'm ingesting into my system, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, what I'm hearing, what I'm talking about, and really noticing how that makes me feel. And I guess I didn't know this when I first started because I was so disconnected from my body. I I didn't read those signals initially, but I guess because I've been practicing for so long now, I really notice at a quite a subtle level uh, how my body responds to everything. And I will pick up quite quickly 
the situations or the people or whatever it might be that make me feel good and the things that make my body go, ooh, no, this doesn't feel so good. So, yeah, I've had to make um, some careful decisions about how I spend my time. Yeah. Yes. So that, that then leads me to um, saying that there are going to be situations and maybe even people that we limit our uh, interaction with, if you will, or the ability to start to um, say no to various projects and things. There's a myriad of things that we can help uh, around and there's a myriad of people that would require our help. Mm-hmm. But we need to be mindful for the self-care aspect to take on what we can take on and say no. Mm-hmm. For someone who struggles to say no, as I'm sure there are many listeners uh, of this podcast that we don't like saying no, we don't want to disappoint people. However, when we measure it on the scale of self-care or not self-care, it's so important because then that's going to inhibit us in showing up for the people that we do really want to support. What did you do as you started to have more conversations with opportunities that you did say, look, I'm sorry, but I'm not able to support how, uh, what what are some insights you can share to help us here? Mm -hmm. And it's a really good question, Anne-Marie, because a lot of us do struggle to say no, especially as women, because we are conditioned to be um, the yes, the yes person, to be the good partner and the good parent and the good child and the good employee, the good boss, the good, you know, all of these hats that we wear. And if we say no, we might get negative responses from people around us, which, as you said at the beginning of our discussion today, sometimes that can raise feelings of guilt or anxiety. So we're conditioned to say yes. So to start to set those boundaries and say no can be really uncomfortable at first. And certainly I found that. Um, You know, I said to you that I was a self-sacrificing people pleaser. I found it very, very difficult to say no initially. Um, But because I was in the place that I was in um, of that burnout, it it got to the point where I didn't have have a choice really that I had to, in order to be there for my young children, to have the energy to look after them, I had to start saying no to some things that weren't um, good for me. So I guess I just did it. You know, in psychology, we call it exposure therapy. It's exposing ourselves to the things that might be uncomfortable, but to do it in small, manageable ways. So don't say no to the biggest, scariest, most challenging, most difficult thing first. Maybe start with the little things, with the relationships that are less important, um, with the issues that are less important. So you know, if someone asks us out for a coffee, um, maybe we might say, look, I don't have the space to do that this week or this, you know, doesn't work for me this week. I'd love to do it, but can we do it later or whatever it might be? So starting to say no to the little things and that starts to give us confidence to then as we start to build those boundaries and notice that actually while there might be some short-term anxiety or guilt, in the longer term, we fit, we start to feel much better. Our vitality returns, our confidence starts to build. It becomes easier and easier to say no. So then we can build up our no muscle. We can build our boundary muscle to start to say no to, to some of those bigger things. 
Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I'm sure so helpful. Something else that you said, and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about this because I think so many women can tend to get stuck in comparison mode and, and what others are doing. And you said that you know now that you are far more sensitive to certain things, whereas previously you weren't aware of that. How many of us do you think don't really know about ourselves the things that do energize us and the things that completely can deplete us from our energy or we've only got so much energy for that particular activity whereas other people other women may bound you know have boundless energy in that activity that absolutely drains us do you believe the self-awareness that you gained about yourself emma gave you what you needed, the strength to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to do this because you knew you were looking after yourself, you're protecting yourself, as you said, you put boundaries around you. How many of us do you think that that self-awareness and understanding of what does, um, you know, replenish us and restore us and what does drain us, that we need to have more understanding of what that is for us and that we don't? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think sadly not too many of us have that self-awareness, Anne-Marie, um, and not because we're limited and not because there's a flaw in us as individuals but more what I was saying before about our conditioning, our cultural and societal conditioning, um, that we're conditioned to look to others, to help others, to be there for others. And so we are trained to disconnect from our own self-awareness. And because we spend so much time on screens, we're disconnected from our own, from our own bodies. So sadly, I think probably not very many of us have a sense of self-awareness. I know I certainly didn't. I can remember the first time I started working with someone and they said, what are you feeling in your body? And I said, I don't know, nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Can you you maybe change that question so I can understand it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I, I probably lived in a state of dissociation at some level of my being. And I think sadly that a lot of us do, but that it can change that with practice and with quite simple practices, we can start to drop awareness into our body to start to become more aware of what we're feeling, of how we're feeling. I have simple um, self-checking process that I invite my clients to do which has two questions. The first question is, how am I feeling? And that might be, as you just pause, and I invite the listeners to do that now, to pause, bring awareness into your body and just notice right now, how is my body feeling? Maybe it's tired, maybe it's hungry, maybe it's thirsty, maybe it's restless. Maybe there are some emotions floating around, sensations in the body. When you first ask yourself that question, you might not notice anything and that's okay. That's where I was when I started. But the more you ask, the more you bring awareness into the body, you will start to be able to sense into that and to be able to answer that question for yourself. So the first question is, how am I feeling? And then the second question is, what do I need now? 
So this is about meeting the needs of the body, <laughs> meeting the needs of the emotions, meeting the needs of the mind. It might be that I've been concentrating for a really long time and I just need to take a break. Or maybe it's that I've been sitting for a long time and I need to stand up and stretch. Maybe I'm hungry, I need a snack. Maybe I'm thirsty, maybe whatever it might be. But the more we pause to just check in and notice how we're feeling and start to meet those needs, then it becomes easier and easier to do that. It's got to the point now where I guess I do it so automatically that when, I, when I'm in a situation or have been doing something for too long and I need to take a break, for example, I'll start to feel a knot in the pit of my belly, like it'll feel like a little bit of an irritability in my body. <laughs> um, so I immediately stop now and I go and take a break or do whatever it is that I need to do. Um, the great thing about that is, I guess, that I now know how to look after myself and take the breaks that I need. Um, and so I don't force myself to do stuff that isn't good for me. The bad thing about that is I now can't force myself to do stuff that isn't good for me. <laughs> so I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, Anne-Marie. <laughs> You know, that is so important. It's so important. And, you know, often or one of the things that I have found to be true is, um, you know, when we, we're thinking about networking and associating with people. Now, I didn't realise how much of an introvert I was till we, we did start getting into lockdowns and I realised my energy was just bubbling and I actually longed to have conversations with people and I would I would often say to people look I'm just going to chat your ear off and so if you need to go go but I re and then I realized that I've got to be very careful in managing the energy and how much time and you know around mm. people and so forth I wasn't aware of that previously to the extent if that makes sense so you can imagine if you're been if you've been born into a, a family who is a very large family who's got a culture that you're consistently over each other's places all of the time and all of the birthdays mm -hmm. and celebrations to me mm -hmm. when I think of that on the inside I'm just going oh does that mm -hmm. make sense so that makes total sense there's nothing yep. wrong with you. It's just that's just the way you're made and you need to excuse yourself and say, I just need to go and sit in my bedroom with a book or just to lay there, you know, I need a bit of a nap and that's going to re-energise you. And being able to do that is very empowering, I think, and being able to say what you need and then ensuring that you do get what you need and that's just important, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful, Amory. I'm really glad that you've discovered that for yourself. Yeah, because introverts and sensitive people are usually or often more energised by time alone, yeah. um, whereas extroverts are energised by time with people. So it can be really helpful to know that. And one isn't better than the other. One isn't right or wrong. It's just this is how I'm hardwired and this is what I need. Um, so to have awareness around that is fantastic. Yeah, that's great because then you can do stuff that you know is best for your nervous system. Um, and then when you do connect with people or then when you do want to put energy into things, then you have the energy to do that. Yeah. yeah. So important. So hopefully by sharing that, it gives others permission to be able to, to go through and say, well, what energises me? What what drains me? And you said so mm. beautifully, start to notice, start mm. to be a little bit more aware on the situation, circumstances and so forth and how you're feeling. I love those two questions that you shared with us today. And I know that we have only, Emma, scratched the surface. This is a lifelong um 
you know, not thing, but I can't think of the word right word, but really it's a principle that should really be very much part of our day-to-day -day lives. There's all sorts of things that happen to us and we want to make sure that we've created enough um, yeah, in, in us, if you will, or the ability to be able to cope better with things because we've always got a bit of a reserve there. And if not, then we know, well, I need to plan some time to be able to, to replenish and, and just to be. How can people find out more about you, Emma, the work that you do? What's the best way for them to connect and find out? Sure, yeah. So they can jump onto my website if they like, Emma Gray, uh, G-R-A-Y dot net. They can go there. They're welcome to join my, my Facebook group. I have a beautiful community of, um, of souls. We connect and we meditate together. I do coaching. Um, you can find me Instagram, all sorts of places. I don't know if you'll have show notes afterwards. Um, so, yeah, connecting through my website or the social media and um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And of course, this is with uh, Business Women Australia podcast and you are part of Business Women Australia. So if people want to find out more as well, you're a part of that membership. And I believe you are also based in, in Sydney. So if people want to connect, uh, I'm sure that there are some wonderful uh, gatherings through BWA that they may have an opportunity to connect with too so um thank you so much again for taking time out of your day to share this such valuable um insights it's so important about self-care and and ensuring that we um take care of ourselves because as we know as women we often wear a lot of different hats don't we and we want to make sure that we are the best that we possibly can be so that we can then be the best for those that uh, we care about so that yeah we can support them in the best possible way too and it starts with ourselves very very important thank you emma thank you emory i've really enjoyed our discussion today You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.